0: joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. Why <laughs> are you crunching on chips? It's popcorn. Oh, it's popcorn. It's popcorn for breakfast. We're
1: hoping that you are listening to this for your breakfast and you're eating popcorn and your other co-host, Calmig. Yes. That's a
0: very, that's a very likely scenario though. What was funny is that on, I hope this comes through on the YouTube video, you were frozen when the crunching noise came on, so it was like you were frozen with your mouth open like putting what I thought was a chip into your mouth, but it was it was actually a popcorn kernel and so I was I was very confused for a bit there, but it was it was very funny. It was picture perfect. <laughs> I'll put it in the thumbnail. <laughs> I'll probably put it in the thumbnail <laughs> if I can snag it. I'll I'll put it in there. Uh, Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. Holy smokes. If uh, Oh, my gosh. if It's been such a herky-jerky. <laughs> we've had a rough go, okay, over here at PFB. We've had a rough go. Uh, we have not been putting out episodes with the regularity that you guys have become accustomed to over the last few years, um, except for maybe during the pandemic, which was, like, the definition of herky-jerky. Um, yeah. And for that, we are extremely sorry, especially me. I feel this week has been horrible. Last week was horrible. (laughs) I feel like it's one of those times where you just feel like life is just like kicking you in the head over and over again. It's like that, what is that, like a Frank Sinatra song, like that, uh, ain't that a kick in the head? (laughs) I don't know if that's Frank Sinatra. I'm an uncultured swine, so I don't actually know. Um, but it's, it's like that song is what it feels like, um, my whole house is sick. My stupid basketball team lost their stupid basketball game. Oh, we've had scheduling, craziness, illnesses. Just to give you a, a sense of, of, of where things are at in my house, Kirk. this is this will set the stage for my mental state. Spoiler alert. It's extremely it's like approaching an all-time low. Uh, last night, Whole house is sick, right? I was patient zero, which, like, how? I, I go nowhere. I, I Like, I'm only here. Uh, <laughs> but we got this horrible viral something that's like a cold. You can probably hear it in yeah. my voice a little bit. Um, so I'm, like, on death's door last night, super sick. My wife is coming down with it. Our youngest is coming down with it. Our oldest, he's, like, a tank he he gets illnesses but he just barrels through them like the juggernaut <laughs> in marvel comics like he does, he just like doesn't even care anyway he comes into our room cuz he's like all congested and whatever we're like okay buddy you can sleep in our bed an hour later he wakes up out of nowhere pukes everywhere no. pukes everywhere in our bed all over everything disgusting horrible terrible he's feeling like crap whatever and then just like kind of brushes it off he's like all right I was like, wait, you're good? I was like, let's stay awake for a little while. Make sure you're good. Like, check his temperature. Temperature normal. He's, like, bouncing off the walls, feeling great, whatever. And, uh, yeah. So, I I was here. I'm thinking, like, it's the stomach flu. No. he just, like, boot rally. Back to normal. I was like, what the heck is that? And you're Um, like... Am I going to have? Is that going to be for sure? And so then I have the, you know, the like the post throw up scaries where you're like, oh no, it's coming Mm -hmm. for me. It's going to get me. But he really doesn't have the stomach flu. He just, who knows? He just, he he barfed in the middle of the night. We had to wash our sheets and our comforter in the middle of the night. And uh, yeah, it was was god awful. So that's. That's did you have to, like
1: at. wait for it to dry as well, or do you have another? We set? had
0: backups. We put Thank the goodness. we put the Christmas set, the winter set, you know, and then and then you're sweaty because it's like it's like flannel, a flannel It's like a flannel. <laughs> oh man, that's I've been just, there. I've been there, dude. That's just a taste of what's been going on. So all of that is to, is to not make excuses, but to say the podcast irregularity is on us, and we're figuring it out. Okay, yeah. As evidence of that, we were meant to bring you this spoiler-free Guardians review last week. That was our plan. Spoiler-free Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Huge movie. We're going to review it on Thursday night, right after we see it. Drop it on Friday. It's going to be beautiful. Um, did not happen that way. And we were going to drop it again on Tuesday. Did not happen that way. But here we are, Wednesday night, May 10th, and we're going to review this dang movie. We're going <laughs> to review... That's right. Guardians, Kirk, we've been preparing for this, so I know Kirk, I know you've got it well thought out at this point, right? I have a novel
1: of notes, yeah, that I can't share with you because it's spoiler free, so I can't tell you anything.
0: <laughs> Kirk's just been in mental anguish for the last few days, having to live with his own thoughts on this movie because usually we're so, we're so it's such a quick turn between yeah. when we see something. So the, the the idea of like getting to actually sit with a movie for for f- whatever it's been four or five days is is so, <laughs> such a novel concept, yeah. and uh, yeah, we'll see. Does it reflect in the score? Does does uh, the fact that we've had illnesses and scheduling conflicts does that factor into the score? Mm. Do we do we let do we take it personally, Kirk? I don't know. You never oh, know. I think it
1: cuts away on recency bias, though. I think that helps.
0: That does help. Re- Man, I'm so I'm so I am. Like I think I'm learning from this whole thing. Recency bias is very real. Yeah. And you almost need like a film palette cleanser, Kirk. We need to pick like one movie. <laughs> like
1: <Ooh. laughs> we need
0: to pick like one movie that's like our totem, you know, like an inception. Like the thing that tells you if you're in reality, like balances you out. We yes. need we need like a movie palette cleanser totem. And it's just like I don't know, Every- would it ha- would it have to be super bad or would it have to be just very normal? uh i don't know like or or somewhere in between like
1: is not <laughs> really bad but is like such a crazy storyline like the <laughs> the craziest thing that just popped into my head was natalie portman in anywhere but home yes um i love is it that, is that the one where she gets she's in walmart or is that the one where she where susan no, that's, is her mother um
0: what is that one called the the one where she's in the the walmart is not anywhere but home it's um
1: That's the one we should watch. Whatever that one's called. One where she's
0: in the Walmart. Yeah, I've seen that one. With um, um, uh, (laughs) California. That was like her first big like deal.
1: Yeah, as like a as like an adult. Where the heart is, right? Isn't that what it's called? Where the heart is. That's it. Yes, where the heart is. That's what I'm gonna get us two (laughs) Blu-ray copies and on digital. Every movie we see, before we can review, we must watch Where the Heart <laughs> Is with Natalie Portman.
0: Or, like, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Like, something that's just, like, has an energy all its own. Something that I, just, like... <laughs> I've never
1: sat through that entire oh, movie. Oh, come
0: on. Oh, come on, Kirk. They're making, like, a third one, I think. I know. Um, I don't know. That's I love that concept, and it's hilarious to me. It, it, it <laughs> needs to happen. We need, we need one thing to center us so we can be like, okay, compared to that this is the score.
1: Maybe we could have the viewers out there vote for what movie we is our palate cleanser yes. sometimes too. That could be fun. That could, that be, could fun. be fun. That could be
0: fun. But, but for, for now you
1: know, it's where the heart,
0: it's is. where the heart is <laughs> <laughs> until further notice. Let's hope to God it's streaming. Otherwise be, we're going to be paid three every week. We're not going to buy it out of principle. I'm buying it. <laughs> no, we're not buying it out of I'm principle right now. <laughs> we're renting it on prime on prime <laughs> instant watch every week. We're going to be just impoverished. a
1: plug for, uh, just, a plug for uh, just watch the app. If you're looking for a movie <laughs> that you, you don't know if it's streaming somewhere, i <laughs> um, just searching it right now. Live as come we on, record. Where on, the heart big is.
0: money. No whammies. Hulu. Get, come on, Hulu. Come on, Peacock.
1: Well, I hate to say this. You cannot stream that anywhere right now.
0: I knew it. I knew it. It's.
1: 14.99 on Sheesh. iTunes right
0: now. Dude, that just that movie reeks of not being able to stream it. It just really does. It's just one of those films you hear the title you're like no way you're streaming that anywhere. It's probably on freaking uh Fubo TV or something like that. I don't know.
1: It's it's so obscure it's not even on Fubo TV. I bet
0: you could record it on Freeform tomorrow. I bet it's like on every day on on Freeform. Oh yeah. lord, this has gone off the rails. Okay, reminder: oh. we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Let's re- let's bring it back. No, this is a review
1: for where the heart is.
0: <laughs> we're bringing it back. No, we'll do that next week. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, spoiler free review. So that means I know all you you Marvel guys, and you know we're in this boat too. No post credits scene, mid mid credits, whatever. We're not talking about any of that. We're not talking about future outlook of the MCU. None of that. That'll be for a later date. That'll be for a later date and time. It will come. We actually will have some time because there's there's a nice like spacing this year. You know, we get this, we get Secret Invasion, I think late June, Kirk, and then we get, um, you know, the Marvels a bit later, like November. So we've got a little bit of uh, a little bit of breathing room here, which is which it's is nice. Right. Because Bob good. is back.
1: Big Bob, Bob Iger is back.
0: Bob loves said, the breathing room.
1: This is too cluttered. That's right. We need some space. I can't keep up from the Marvels to Captain yeah, right. Marvel to WandaVision. He's like, I have not seen all the properties and I will not move forward until I've watched every minute of Marvel.
0: <laughs> He's still on episode four of She Hulk. That's right. They call him breathing room Bob. That's that's what they that's what they call him. That's not actually true. But they could. I saw it
1: on. I saw it engraved in his underwear. Don't don't ask me why I saw his <laughs> underwear. <why>.
0: Band. <laughs> oh boy, breathing uh, room. We're, we're off the rails already again. Okay, <laughs> let's let's review this movie. Spoiler free. Here we go. I am synopsing, so I'm gonna get things kicked off with a spoiler free synopsis. By the way, our definition of spoiler free is if it's in the trailer. You know, that's fair game. So, if you're one of these people who's like, I don't even watch the trailers, that's fine. We respect your decision. Totally valid stance. Totally valid. But we will be covering what's in the trailers. And we will be covering potentially things that happened in Guardians 1, 2, the holiday special, any MCU movie that happened before this, etc. That factors in. So, all that being said, let's do this. Synopsis of Guardians Volume 3. So, the Guardians are now posted up. On nowhere, so there's your your first holiday special uh, spoiler. There, they have they've claimed the the planet of nowhere as their sort of headquarters, and it's uh, essentially just an island of misfit toys at this point. There's some some Ravager former Ravager type peoples there. There's uh, lots of different people, the the Guardians, but the one glaring omission, of course, is Gamora, um, Gamora, who um, the version that we know. Uh, died in in Avengers. What, what, what would that have been? Infinity War, I guess. Right. Um, in the in the quest for the for the uh, Soul Stone. So, really, what we're seeing is a team that's kind of like lost its way. We saw this a little bit in Thor: Love and Thunder as well. They don't really know where to go. They don't know what to do. Peter Quill is their leader, and he's lost because he's. You know, trying to grapple with, do I go try to get Gamora back with this 2014 version of Gamora? Like, do I build bridges there? How do we carry on? And, and the answer is they're kind of just not carrying on. They're kind of stagnating, whatever, um, when a certain someone shows up and kind of throws a wrench into things. And uh, the team figures out its new mission. It's an urgent mission and uh, something they have to to get on right away. There's lots of, as you can see in the trailer, like lots of exploration of Rockets past. Of course, there's the villain, the high evolutionary, uh, played by Chukwudi Iwuji, and um, uh, Adam Warlock, who is played by Will Poulter, who is also in the trailer, and teased heavily at the end of Guardians Volume 2. So there's lots of new forces at play. There's one central conflict that is very high stakes, and that sort of is the anchor and the gravity uh, for the whole movie. So I think that's as far as I will go at risk of sharing too much. We can say no more. That's right. But the movie does hit the ground running um, very quickly. So that's kind of why we can't share a whole, whole lot there. But the Guardians have become quite the team over the years, Kirk, building up their numbers. You know, we've got Nebula in the fold now, Mantis in the fold, uh we got, uh, you know, you can see in the trailers Cosmo, the Cosmo, the Soviet space dog, um, who is a, you know, if, if you're familiar with the comics, a, a telepathic um, dog that is a former astronaut for the Soviets, whatever. Craglin, um, mm-hmm. who of course was, you know, was the leader of the Ravagers and Yandu's right hand man, et cetera. We've got this whole huge giant team, and there's lots of different forces at play, but. What that means is we've got a huge cast to evaluate, Kirk. And we're going to start there like we always do with the acting performances. And man, I don't know about you, Kirk. This was tough for me just to narrow it down to two because we always do And the Oscar Goes To, which is the best actor in the movie and scene stealer. And (laughs) narrowing it down to two with all of these different people at play has been so hard. But we're going to start with And the Oscar Goes To. And I'm here to tell you that my Oscar goes to Mr. Bradley Cooper who uh, of course plays Rocket and has done so since uh, 2014 when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 was released. Very easy to say that this is one of the most unsung voice performances of all time. I mean I think there's lots of people that have kind of casually said um, wow I didn't really realize that that was Bradley Cooper doing it all this time or oh I can hardly recognize his voice but There has not been the sort of heralded, like, this guy who is an A-list actor, someone at the top of his game, someone who's been nominated for Academy Awards, um, is playing an animated character and doing so at an extraordinarily high level. His voice acting is insane, has been throughout all the Guardians uh, movies as well as Infinity War, Endgame, what have you. And he brings it every single time, takes the utmost attention to detail with it. And, and this movie really, uh, and, and as it's sort of been with all the Guardians movies, his his uh, presence and his his arc as a character has come more and more into focus with each additional movie. And as you've s- sort of seen in the trailers, there's lots of like delving into Rocket's past and things like that. And so Rocket is at this point of what is his purpose? You know, he's, he's kind of where, where Peter is at the beginning of this movie, kind of like, you know, now that everything's over with Thanos and, and what have you and, and Gamora's gone, we've got this team, but like, what is our, what is our North Star? What are we going for? And Rocket, that is, that's kind of leaving him in an area of self-reflection. And I think what Bradley Cooper does in this movie is phenomenal. I mean, to, to, to make people see this character as a human character and to feel deep emotions for this, like, candidly, just a ridiculous thing. I mean, it's like it's, it's an anthropomorphic raccoon that's like uh, <laughs> he's very gritty and, like, he wants to fight people. He's like a rough-and-tumble kind of guy. So it's, it's a really silly character just, uh, you know, from inception. It's, the concept of it is, is, so, is so silly. And Bradley Cooper just tears down your walls one, one at a time. And makes you more vulnerable. He's injecting all this soul and all this life into this character and, and just like bringing this really, you know, uh, a character that you just really feel empathetic towards uh, or, or sympathy towards. And I feel like everyone to an extent can see themselves in Rocket. And I think that that's a testament to, first of all, the writing that's been done by James Gunn um, for this character, but also the incredible voice work of Bradley Cooper. In this movie, he does a phenomenal job. I can't get into all of it, but truly amazing work that's going on. And I loved it. I have to give it to Bradley Cooper because uh, he's deserved it for a long time and he definitely deserves it now.
1: Be Coop. Be that's Cooper. Right. The Cooper thing. Yeah. I think that there should be a category for the Academy Awards for best vocal. Oh, I wholeheartedly
0: agree, Kirk. Right? I wholeheartedly agree. It's a different animal altogether. And the people that can do it well are magic. They are magic people. Um,
1: I think it's time. I think it's time there is a new category added to the Academy Awards that might spice some things up. It would. And make the competition a little bit more flashy.
0: For sure. Kirk, who are you giving your Oscar to?
1: I'm going way left field here, Cam. You ready for this? My Oscar goes to... Chuck Woody.
0: Ooh, I like it.
1: The villain. He plays the high evolutionary, as said and seen in the trailer. And this man is going places. I mean... He is of, uh, of many different descents, of many different regal backgrounds, uh, thanks to his parents, and uh, after a quick Google and Wikipedia uh, search, and he is just everything you want in a villain. I think that a villain can absolutely make or break your film. It really, really, really matters so often they're like eh, well, he was okay but really I was focused on the guardians no if you have a bad villain you have a bad movie because the stakes are not balanced out he knew exactly what the, the motive was he knew exactly what the dementia of it all was what the what the corruption of his thought process was so when you have a goal but you're obsessive over it whether you're uh, narcissistic over it or you it is just strictly for the wrong reasons, over your own over the villain's own trauma or whatever it might be, if you are striving for something as a villain and you can make it so real and so righteous. Um, but then underneath it all, know it's so wrong and that there's a glimmer of I know it's I know it's wrong, but I know it's right. Those are the glimpses we get to see in his performance. We get to see this gray line that's uh, crossed, very, very much so crossed into the dark side of things, and I love watching a good villain. It's probably because I, as, as an actor, I would love to be a villain, but I don't have the Complexion uh, <laughs> to be a villain, maybe with a lot of makeup. I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm the goofy one typically, but I would love to. I love l- looking into the people's psyche, the the choices that the actors make when they really connect the dots. It is so exciting. Not to be scared of the villain because the villain himself is not scary. Um, He's scary to the characters, but not scary to the audience, and that, there's there's a key differentiator there. Uh, my wife asked me, she's like, "Is sc- is he scary? Am I going to be nervous about him?" Like, you'll be nervous. That's a better description, but you won't be scared. But you'll you the stakes will be there. You will be enthralled about the danger he presents to the characters, and that's really where you want to live in a film um, versus in a horror film. You want to be scared, so everything he lays out in front of the audience and in front of these other characters is just a plus acting. And that's why he gets my award today.
0: I love it. And I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say that that was my, my second consideration for in the Oscar goes to. Um, and there were a few that were, were really close, but um, Woody Uji incredible performance and one that supersedes the, uh, being kind of cordoned off into that scene sealer category, just because he has so much screen time and he's such an important part of this movie. Like, like you said, Kirk, a good villain, villain, make or break. I mean, we talked about it all through the MCU. You're exactly right. The villain can make or break a movie. It's that important of a role there. The threat has to be real. The stakes have to be high. It can't be goofy. It can't be over the top. It has to be, you have to feel it. Otherwise the whole effect of the movie falls apart. And man, does Chuck Woody, would make you feel it? Um, I think back to this was before Peacemaker came out. So, Chuck Woody Awuji was cast in Peacemaker, for those of you who watched that on HBO Max, um, which is also a James Gunn series, and uh, was a high profile character in that show. And before that show came out, like right before it came out, um, Chuck Woody Awuji was announced as being cast in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And at that time, James Gunn said something to the effect of. I'm hiring him because he's the best actor I've ever worked with. And I was like, Hey, what? <laughs> like you've worked <laughs> with some pretty good actors, dude. We've never heard of this guy. So like, let's pump the brakes on that. And then I saw a peacemaker and I was like, Holy crap. This dude <laughs> can absolutely bring it. And I was still like, well, you know, it's, it, it's, it's one role. It's, it's one show, whatever. And then he's in this movie and I'm like, okay, that's like, I will allow that statement. That is a fair statement. the dude, Absolutely brings it. Uh, So I love that you got to highlight that one. I think it was a good call. Um, Scene Stealer. Another tough one. Another tough one. Impossible. Impossible. Uh, But I had to go with another person. I think a lot, you know, we've we've criticized the Academy in the past for giving, like, um, makeup awards to people who should have won an award for a different role. (laughs) Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Mm. Um, It's... That's what I'm doing tonight, kind of. Uh, but just like this is somebody who deserves flowers, and this is the time to do it, even if there could have been other choices. But I'm going with Pom Klementyev, um, who plays Mantis in this movie, and also in Guardians Volume Two, The Holiday Special, Infinity War, In Game, etc. And oh my gosh, her she has uh, her character has really bloomed into just like one of the key comedic features in this whole team um, and, and has sort of balanced out as as Quill has transitioned more into that leader role. Um, in the first movie, Quill is such a huge part of the the goofy slapstick, like put downs and things like that that are going on between the team. And as he grows more into a leader role and as we need to see him more as a leader and as an emotional figure, uh, he had to kind of give up some of those duties, and a lot of that has gone to uh Drax, Dave Batista's Drax, which has really always been the case. But also, the other person who has picked up that load is Pom Clementiev as uh Mantis and and her push and pull, really with everybody on the Guardians team now. Um, there were some great exchanges between her and Nebula, great exchanges between her and Drax, of course. Um, and also, uh Gamora for the for the parts where she's involved in this movie um just hilarious and, and at the same time keeping this balance of you know she has her her superpowers that she's an empath and she can sense people's emotions change people's emotions etc and so she also has to be in like sort of an emotional fulcrum in this movie where she can kind of tell the audience you're allowed to laugh here everything's cool or uh I'm serious, so you need to be serious <laughs> or what have you. And and that's a very important thing because tone is so important in a movie, especially in these MCU movies that very frequently, um, sort of infamously now, because people think that this is a bad thing for whatever reason, um, are constantly teetering between comedy and dark, high-stakes drama, etc. Um, so tone becomes very important and I think she's, she's sort of the tone setter in, in this film. And that's why I have to give her her major props because there's, there's so many times where we as the audience either consciously or subconsciously are looking to Mantis to sort of understand how we're supposed to feel in a certain scenario. And she just brings it every time she delivers so many powerful <laughs> one liners and laughs so many great, like um, her physical acting uh, can be absolutely hilarious and and perfect at the same time. There's one scene where she's just kind of like, ragdolling around <laughs> and it's it's absolutely hilarious in every way Um so yeah Pom Klementiev, I think she has a bright future in front of her I think she has a ton of skill outside of um, you know this can seem like a pretty like gimmicky type of character but it's it's not I think it's a hard character to play and she does a really good job with it so she's my scene stealer
1: well I wish I could ragdoll on the screen right now kind of in the way that she does in the <laughs> film it's it's very impressive and uh, so impressive that my scene stealer also goes to Palm. Nice. Right there. Look at that trophy. This is for you, Palm. If you're out there, I just want to let you know we're in Southern Illinois and we would love to give you your trophy. So just stop on by.
0: It's very it's high good. quality.
1: It's very high quality. I mean, Target does not put out low quality trophies. Facts. <laughs> Facts. You can put some snacks in there and eat it just like this, uh, as I have done. I should put my popcorn in here. You should have. Um wow oh, missed opportunities that's, that's a good thought for next recording well stay tuned I want to keep you hooked for the next one um same things same things all, all around I loved how um it's it's kind of a double-edged sword for her actually I loved how much w- characterization we got but we got way less of her powers in this in this film and I feel like there were moments not where she should have used her powers uh because coulda woulda shoulda but I I was hoping for a little more play with with her powers in this film. Not her fault, not her, uh, she didn't write the film, but I really appreciated how engaging she was. In fact, I would say that when I watched the special, the Christmas special, the holiday special, I felt like, I didn't, I wasn't jiving with her for, for that. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the strongest writing that she's had, but this was really great. It was uh, the, the best continuation of her from volume two where she's introduced. And of course, in the Christmas holiday special, we hear that she is, of course, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Peter's sister and It's fun to see that little dynamic play out and how these two care for each other and her relationships are really strong in this one. Pom, I don't know all the things that you've been in, but I want to see all of it, I feel like. So I'm going to be just hunting down all the different filmography bits and bread pieces of yours and I'm going to just dive in and I can't wait to see what's next for her.
0: Nice, nice pick. I I also want to give a shout out since nobody mentioned it. I, I think Chris Pratt's just awesome as Star Lord. I'm just gonna say that. I I feel like he's another one who doesn't get a ton of credit. Like that's the role that made him. Um, you know, people say it's the Parks and Rec, but like this was his first like high profile leading man type of role, um, and he's he you know took the bull by the horns immediately and kind of made his impact, and he just continues to do such a stellar job as this character. I thought he was spectacular in this movie. Um, So shout out to Chris Pratt. In my opinion, the best Chris. So I I, I, I stand by that. I know that you're a non-believer, but here we are. Here we are. Uh, All right, let's get into the production. Let's talk about James Gunn and and his... uh, his third and final crack at the at the Guardians of the Galaxy as a feature film, uh, which we can now officially say since he has said it and since he's obviously moving over to the DC side of the house. Um, we're going to start with Showstopper and then go into Director's Shoes. Showstopper is, of course, where we talk about what blew us away about the movie and Director's Shoes is where we say what would we do if we were in the director's shoes or chair, uh, however you like to visualize that. So let's start with Showstopper. Kirk, here's my showstopper. I'm ready. The boldness. I'm going with the boldness in this movie, Kirk, because, you know, sequels are an interesting phenomenon. They are. There's a lot of people out there that subscribe to a uh, school of thought that sequels cannot be better than the original. And I understand that um, because the sequel wouldn't exist without the original. You can get really existential about it, etc. But ultimately, I don't subscribe to the theory that sequels can't be better than the original i think there are lots of sequels that have surpassed their predecessors etc but i will say that more often than not the sequel fails to reach the heights of the original That, that i think that's a fair statement like the original is almost is in most cases better than its than its sequels but um The reason for that, I think, is because directors get comfortable and they look at and studios too. You know, you've got a whole bunch of rooting interests in here and they say, This is what worked in the first one. We're trying to make money. Just do that again. Don't don't do anything too crazy. Don't do anything too nuts. Play it safe. Play your hits make us some money, and the directors are like, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to make sure I keep doing things that people like. You know, Now they've got all the critical response, the fan response. They're factoring that into their writing process, whatever. It gets messy. James Gunn did not play it safe in this movie, and I don't think he's played it safe at all. I think he continues to do weird, risky, zany things all the time. In this movie, he was uh, introducing all kinds of different aesthetics and um visual components that have not been a part of the guardians playbook in the last few films there were some action sequences um some some high frame rate sequences where he's doing incredible risky crazy stuff um different types of shots that he's not used before different types of um you know, even all the way down to choreography, production design, etc. and I just really have to respect the heck out of that. I just really do, because, um, you know, you don't want to blow it. <laughs> I think everybody in the back of their mind is probably like, I don't want to blow it, but he's just so confident. That's what that's what I see whenever I see this movie, and it's how I felt about Guardians 2, which, by the way, I really liked. I know some people dogged that movie, but I really liked Guardians Volume 2. It's just somebody who understands the vision, they have a clarity of vision and they're executing it. The confidence is there, they're in their zone and they're just going for it. And that's what James Gunn is doing here and I really respect it. Um, another banging soundtrack, <laughs> absolutely great soundtrack, excellent editing, really, really cool action sequences with some really wacky camera work that I loved. Um, there's one action sequence which is in the trailer, Not obviously not the whole of it, but there's one big action set piece That is jaw-droppingly beautiful and amazing and just, oh my gosh, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. And all of that was like new flavor that he injected into this movie. And he doesn't have to do that. You know, he's got, he's got one foot out the door. He's got other things going on. Like he was brought back to do this movie kind of knowing that he would eventually leave after all the drama that went on there. Um... And yet the boldness was still there and I loved it. I just thought it was so sharp and fresh and it made it feel like its own movie and it made it feel um, exciting and different. And I give him a lot of credit. I really do. I have to tip my cap. I think James Gunn was just totally in his bag um, as he has been throughout this whole series. I... I commend him. So that's my scenes. That's my, uh, sorry, I forget what category we're in. That's my showstopper was the boldness of James Gunn's direction. I I really loved it.
1: What a wonderful direction it was. My showstopper to cue you into this. I want to take you back to 1998 cam to a little Disney channel, original movie called Halloween town. There was a lovely, lovely woman of Hollywood royalty named Debbie Reynolds, who plays Aggie Cromwell. And she says, quote, magic is really very simple. All you've got to do is want something and then let yourself have it. So when I watch films sometimes, I am... I usually hit a crossroads with the characters. Characters hit crossroads all the time in movies. Uh, it's part of life. So why not imitate that on the screen to help us kind of travel through our feelings, to help teach us and learn more about ourselves and learn about these other characters and the situations they're in. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. This is why movies are important. So the, what, the reason I say this quote is because all you got to do is want something and let yourself have it. There's a moment in this movie that I can't talk about, but there is a character – let's say it rocket is at a moment of crossroads. And I just tell myself, what if they did this in this moment? And then it happened. And I was so relieved because that's exactly what I wanted. Now, sometimes that happens and you get, you, the character takes the other choice, right? And you're like, oh, how interesting. That's a bold choice. Fantastic. Okay, okay. But in this particular moment, it was so satisfying as a Marvel fan, as a Rocket fan, as a film lover. And those are the moments that are so keyed in by the director, by the writer, by the writers, writing team, by the creative team, that they have to know so deeply how these characters would uh, would choose their paths forward or would travel on the path uh, under the circumstances that they're given, and it is so wonderful that it happened this way. So there, there's that, and there is an incredible fight sequence that that will that blow my mind. But this one in particular that I can't tell you about is so. Impactful that I can't wait for you to talk about it, or I can't wait for you to see it so I can talk about it to you either off screen or on screen. Um, I'll have to bring it up maybe in the next episode that says, Hey, by the way, I was talking about this, but I do love our spoiler for your views. So that is my mysterious showstopper today.
0: I love it you're walking the spoiler tightrope and doing it with, with much grace and gusto. I, I was, I was in awe. I was like, Oh, careful, careful, careful. Um, where's no, the I dumb didn't. button? <laughs> Kill his audio. You nailed it. You nailed it, Kirk. Much respect. All right. Moving on to director shoes and what notes we would have for, uh, James Gunn. Mine is simple. And I also feel like, um, slightly misleading <laughs> because it sounds like a big critique. Um, it's a, critique that you've probably heard me give to other films before and like majorly dock them for. Um, In this case, it's, it's only a minor offense. And, and I think that if you see, once you see the movie, it will make sense. And that's just that it's a bit heavy on the, uh, it's a bit busy, I guess is what I should say. Heavy or busy, not dense, not, not hard to understand or confusing, but heavy in that there is a lot of things to do. There's a lot to get done um, because like we said, huge cast, lots of characters, lots of character arcs and in order to make each one matter, you have to develop it, end it, whatever. Right. Um, and so that's what was going on here. There's a lot going on and, and at certain points in the movie, you just feel it. You just, you, you feel it and you're aware of it and you're going, okay, whoa, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. You know, at, some, at certain times, multiple ones of, like, multiple different subplots or arcs are, are popping off in rapid speed, and you're like, okay, hold on, we got a lot going on here, we need to balance it, and uh, it it does not go off the rails, and it does not at any point get all the way to where you're like, okay, this is ridiculous, there's too, there's just way too much going on, They're, this is overly ambitious, and it misses the mark, um, but it is felt, um, and I think I probably... I think I felt it two times where I became consciously aware of, like, where it sort of took me out of the movie because I was like, okay, there's a lot. There's a lot here that they're trying to balance, and it might be overly ambitious. But it's not enough to, like, really derail the thing. And to an extent, it's just sort of a byproduct of, of scaling up. Um, and when you get to the third movie in a franchise, and we, and you see it in really good franchises too. So it's not it's it doesn't hurt the movie too much. It's just something that you become aware of. And anything that takes you out of, um, you know, the suspension of disbelief as it's referred to, um, where you're just totally sucked in and you're you're not in your own reality. Anything that takes you out of that is a black mark, but this one is it, it, to me, it's minor. Um, and and for some people, are not watching a movie to critique it like you might not even you might not even notice it so but that's that's definitely one for me and I think I think in addition to that and kind of in conjunction with it there is one character that I would say you could make an argument should not have should not be included should not be there in certain parts of the film um or, or you can make an argument in the film at all. Um, but I will I will just leave it at that.
1: Okay. I got two gripes Let's with go. this movie, Cam. I got my director's shoes. They might be loafers, <laughs> but they're my director's <laughs> shoes. I got them ready right here. And uh, it's too hot in my basement to put them on. <laughs> so I'm going to keep them off. But... I must say the first one, my first gripe has to deal with, uh, in balancing these characters, we were off balance with our Peter Quill. In fact, I would uh, have hoped to see just as much of him as normal. Um, In fact, there's a critical way that he balances out the main plot of the story that you don't actually see him enough in this movie. And I'm not saying that he has to be... The number one in every in every of these films, um, very much critical to the success and the plot of one success and plot of two, and he is in very important in this plot as well. However, we just don't get enough of him, and then when we do see him, uh, there's not enough for Chris Pratt to play with, uh, at least in the first half of the film. And then the second half of the film, he kind of gets locked in because his his side of the story speeds up so i was thankful that we didn't just completely cast him aside number two the second thing that uh upset me if i was the director uh was deaths can't talk about any deaths of course on a spoiler free review but i was hoping that there would be some incredibly shocking deaths and i wasn't shocked by the deaths um, I think I've told it on this podcast before, definitely have told Cam off off camera that, man, I really wish that uh, someone would kill a main character in a, in a movie that uh, like X, X character of X tier or maybe balance it off by a third tier and a first tier uh, person. And they never do it. They never do it in, in Star Wars. They never do it in superhero movies because they want the opportunity to maybe bring them back. And I get it get it they want to have maybe another opportunity and or uh what's it called secret wars is coming down the line we'll see someone down there but if we get rid of people that we really like then it could be weird for the audience so I want people to be bolder on deaths and this one wasn't for me
0: yeah I would say too with with secret war as with secret wars as the example you can technically kill whoever you want uh, when you're talking right. about a a multiversal event, uh, case in point, Gamora, um, who did in fact die, but also still is around, um, you know, in this movie, and right. you know, I am one of the people who would fully expect Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, etc., to appear in a Secret Wars movie. Should that, you know. Happen that way, uh, I would imagine that it would. So, not saying that there is or isn't deaths in this movie that are notable or unnotable. So, we'll just mm-hmm. obscure it as much as humanly possible there for the sake of avoiding spoilers. I think you did a good job. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I get that. Uh, <clears throat> I think in general, that has been a critique of Marvel, right? Like, they don't like to kill characters, they haven't killed um many prominent characters over the course of uh, the entire Marvel franchise and that's not to say that they do or don't in this movie but who whoever they do or don't kill in this movie you're not pleased with it is what you're saying so exactly i, I understand
1: and i'm sorry that you're scratching your heads on the other side of this <laughs> your listening device <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're like wait
1: did what anyone did, he die? Just say? did someone
0: not die is he happy that someone did die or mad that someone didn't die what's did happening he want to kill someone <laughs> did kirk kill someone <laughs> the answer is maybe i don't know we don't know that's the point um i like it all right final thoughts and scores uh let's let's wrap this thing up guardians of the galaxy volume three um sheesh i well let me just let me just set the stage with this i um Happened to just really love the guardians of the galaxy. So I will just caveat that <laughs> caveat my score with that. Like really love it. Um, when guardians of the galaxy, I, I was, and I was, that's not coming from a place of, I was a comic book fan originally, like I was with some other characters like the Hulk and Spider-Man, Batman, etc. No, like I, I really didn't read any guardians comics prior to these movies. Um, But when I saw the first movie in 2014, fell in love with it, saw it in theaters five times, Um, saw it in theaters with my wife, you know, every single one of those times who wasn't my wife at the time. Um, And it was one of those things not to be sappy and gross, but like when you when you and your person both enjoy things and you can see each other through that shared thing that you enjoy, it's really a magical thing. and this movie was one of those. Like we danced our first dance at our wedding um, was to uh, the Blue Swede song from the, from the first movie. Yeah. the Uga Cheka, Uga 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 Cheka. can't stop this feeling. Um, uh, anyway, I really like these movies. and sometimes a director just you just feel seen. By, by a director and by a movie and by a set of characters. And that's not to say, like, don't psychoanalyze that. <laughs> I'm not like somebody who thinks I'm a, a misfit. Nobody understands me. I need a found family because my family sucks. Like, don't, it's none of that. It's just that um, it's more so that um, the way that James Gunn tells stories and builds characters is, is in such a way that I can feel deeply connected to all of them. And I, I can honestly say that throughout the course of this, Um, trilogy with the you know including the holiday special I guess as well I have felt a deep connection to each one of these characters at separate times in this franchise and in this movie so many of those connections were still there and enhanced and and just so rich and I just like it was such an emotional experience for me watching this movie and not because of anything necessarily that like anything crazy that happened just because of who these characters are and the journey that they're on for each other. I just found it really beautiful and really emotion, like uh, overwhelmingly emotional at times in this movie. And um, I love when movies make you feel things. That's actually why I love movies in general is like, I want to feel all of the feelings that come with uh, a really good story. And this one really just has that. And there's so many incredible elements of this movie from the, you know, I, I mentioned the soundtrack earlier. Always a, always a great soundtrack in a, in the James Gunn Guardians movie. This is a, certainly no exception. Um, the aesthetics, the team dynamics, the the writing, which is always superb, the the banter between them and and the the villain and the stakes and everything that's going on. There's just so much in here that's great. And it's not a perfect movie. Um, there, it, you know, there are parts where it's a bit uneven and it's it's a bit clunky and and this or that, but I just really enjoyed it. I think it's safely my favorite movie of the year so far, and uh, I'm giving it a 9.1 out of 10. Colonels really liked uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and felt it was a great uh, conclusion to James Gunn's reign over the Guardians, and I am super-duper, super-duper sad to see it go uh, and see it end now.
1: Your story about you and Jackie
0: is so sweet. I know. I know. It's uh it's just it's just so cute, isn't it, Kurt? But.
1: <laughs> and and the fact that you were lying about not relating to Star Lord, because I remember
0: when you told me how he <laughs> <laughs> How you were kidnapped from your home. <laughs> How I was abducted by aliens? I know. And your mom, she was sick and you had a I know. cassette. It's, it's, it's the, the whole it's the same it's my story, Kirk. It is. It's but we don't same. talk about the alien abduction on here. So And Hooked on a Feeling, great song. Uh you've got me hooked on a lot of feelings right now. I know. It's great. I think it must just be because he's from St. Louis, Kirk. He just I think so I think oh, it's just man. there's something there's something Midwestern that he has he's tapped into like a a, a a Midwestern super sense and he can just tell the story of all midwesterners or something I don't know
1: and I'm telling know. you right now we haven't fully received it yet from Hollywood but specifically, The 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 Metro East, St. Louis, our town, Belleville. I mean, I kid you not. Belleville was mentioned in season two of Homecoming on Amazon Prime. That's true. Literally, our city that we live in. I was like, what? (laughs) So there, there are all of these things that are. There's going to be. There's going to be a big movie. That's going to be right in our area and they're going to have to film here and we are going to have to be in it in some regard. Well, so,
0: and what was the movie that we just watched that had like, that we reviewed that had like deep
1: St. Oh, Louis
0: rats mentions and like visuals? Uh, what was it? I don't remember. I don't either, <laughs> but I'm going to have to oh, look at um, our YouTube channel and see. What that was?
1: There, it's just it's coming, it's coming, and I'm so excited for it. Um, now I have to know before we move on. So I know. stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We're just gonna. Was it Shazam? No. Was it John Wick? No. Was it? Uh, uh, was it Scream? Was it? No. Creed Three. No. No.
0: <laughs> it was. Cocaine Bear. Yes, it was Cocaine Bear. Was it Cocaine Bear? Oh, it yeah. was. It was Cocaine Bear. That's they what... opened with a bar that's in St. Louis, I hate right? that that's what it was. I was like, there was a really, there was a great movie that... <laughs> no, it was just Cocaine Bear. Yeah, very much St. Louis vibes going on. But oh, anyway. Just
1: cocaine Bear, you know. Oh, my directors, or no. What Your
0: final thoughts and scores, Kirk.
1: My final thoughts and scores. I'm going to give two scores today. <laughs> guardians of the galaxy volume three if you're still listening to this episode of popcorn for breakfast i think we're as uh silly as we yeah, can be unlikely of... unlikely
0: <laughs> unlikely that anyone's still listening at this point they're like all right
1: you turned us off after what are we we talked about puke in the first 30 seconds yeah, and i yeah, think that's when we lost that's them. when we lost them this is just for us uh <laughs> so what what i love about this as a trilogy is that from memory there are only two trilogies that are as strong in the mcu it's this and it's spider-man tom holland spider-man i feel like those two trilogies are the strongest uh, now that we have three of each and that makes me happy i wish all of them were as strong from Uh, from each iteration all three of each trilogy was thoughtfully constructed and there were no politics and there were no uh writer strikes involved as we're experiencing again i wish that they were as magical and and electric as we see guardians of the galaxy volume three come into come into play uh this movie has such a wonderful and unique pulse to it and there's only One moment, literally one moment in this film where I'm like, could have done without that. Uh, I understood what they were trying to do in it, but I wish that it would have been uh, breezed over faster or or I mean, omit it, put it on the cutting room floor. I'm fine. We can get everything out of this. I feel very strongly about this film. I don't know why it just, it touched me in a, in a way that I, I was hoping for it to be. People are out there saying that guardians of the galaxy volume three is a return to form for the Marvel cinematic universe. And I say that yes, but also James Gunn never really changed his attitude on these characters or the full story arcs that come with any of them. Um, I'm going to give this a 9.3, not to, uh, uh prices right you but 9.3 out of 10
0: kernels today (laughs) i'm changing my score (laughs) (laughs) how dare you (laughs) back me into a corner there i like it yeah return to form for the mcu it's like no this is just james gunn doing james gunn things man like the dude don't miss he he don't miss when it comes to comic book movies uh the suicide squad was freaking awesome by the way if you guys haven't seen that one not very many people did in theaters at least um highly recommend but yeah i like it i like that score and uh it's good to be talking confidently about marvel movies again so in that in that sense i guess it is a return to form um but yeah guardians of the galaxy volume 3 rave reviews from PFB so go out and see it if you have seen it of course be sure to share your thoughts with us. Um, there will come a time and a day where we dig into what comes next uh, with regard to the Guardians. I think, you know, if you've seen the movie, you have thoughts, and we we have many of them. And so we're going to get into that at a later date. It won't be now, but we do periodically we do some MCU uh, kind of like look forwards or or postmortems or what have you, and so maybe maybe prior to Secret Invasion or something like that, there will be a need to to delve into that. But not now. This is all spoiler free all the time, and we thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for bearing with us through the incredibly tumultuous uh, schedule that we've had. And it's only going to get crazier because I actually have vacation starting next week, Um, but we're going to figure it out. And maybe we'll go see that Blackberry movie this weekend. I have no idea. Um, Wait,
1: should we decide now so that we, we, we commit to the fans?
0: I don't know, Kirk. I don't, (laughs) I feel like whatever we see has to be streaming. That's okay. Well, 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 remember air, well, air, Air comes out to so digital, um, Friday. It does come. I think. I think that might be the way to go because I, I don't know, man. I, I don't I like. I think it's got to be air. It could
1: be air. <laughs> It could be uh, a movie that's. Uh, we could do a throwback movie. I was telling Cam before. There's a movie called Becky that's living <laughs> out there in the world. It, it came out in 2020, and there's a an, there's a sequel coming this year called The Wrath of Becky.
0: Sounds <laughs> great. I don't know. It sounds right up our alley. So uh, we can we out. can <laughs> review where the heart is. That, <laughs> where that heart option is. is always on the table. You <laughs> never know. So we're not committing to what we are reviewing, but we are committing to reviewing something. That is happening.
1: You know, every time you buy something on iTunes, you get an email and so Aubrey, <laughs> will,
0: she's will gonna tell be me, like, what oh, I see the... you rented
1: this and I, I know I'm gonna get some looks like <laughs> where the
0: heart is? Did you just pay 14.99 for where the heart is? <laughs> and you're like, yes, I've been accepting no questions at this time. Thank you for your <laughs> respect.
1: My only hope is that it's available on like (laughs) movies anywhere. So I can share that with you. I hope so too. I'll buy you a gift card uh, after the, after I find out what it's going to be. Might be necessary.
0: Well, thank you guys again so much for listening to this review of guardians of the galaxy volume three. We don't yet know what we're going to review next week, but we know we're going to send something your way. Um, thanks again for listening as always we're going to leave you with a special thanks to our executive producer ryan spriggs as well as a thank you to the band rhetoric who created our amazing original music we will see you guys next week talk to you then